welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the incredible Emily Hazel, who is the founder and creator of my favorite healthy cafe, um, Serotonin Eatery in Melbourne. And I couldn't think of anyone better to come on to chat all things healthy cafe. And you will hear exactly what I mean as you hear Emily's passion and her talking about her journey and just how much thought has gone into every little thing from the healthy food to the environment and all of the ways that Emily has optimized serotonin. She's created an incredible community and an amazing business that we can all learn so much from. So thank you so much for being here, Emily. I'm really excited to chat more about the incredible things you have created. My absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to share because I wish I had something like this before I started. (laughs) (laughs) awesome so let's get into it by chatting about what first got you interested in the health and nutrition space how did this all begin well that's a very big question for me so I'll (laughs) break down to a few key points but for me my sort of own personal health journey started back when I was about 15 16 and I was in high school um and I was going through like mood funk so I didn't even have words for it at the time but I was um going through depression. And then a lot later um, in life, I was dealing with anxiety. So back then, the only thing that I really had at my disposal was school counsellors. So I went and worked with the school counsellors, but, you know, they're just kind of listening. They weren't really giving me any tools. So my mental health didn't really change. And then at 18, I moved out of home um, and then it kept sort of going down. And then when I was 21, I decided I'm going to take myself to my local doctor. And because I'd moved out of home, this is a doctor I'd never seen before. And she just had like less than a five minute chat with me. And this just still shocks me today. And then she <laughs> said, we're going to put you on antidepressants. And I was like, in my head, I was like, she just doesn't know anything about me. And I was like, there must be something else I can do. And I went home that night and started to sort of research what, what are antidepressants? What do they do? You know, how do I go on them? How do I come off them? And it wasn't sitting right with me. And I just decided that night to start researching natural happiness. Well, how can I just get naturally happy? And then um, I was finding things obviously like you can use sunlight to boost um, your mood, exercise to boost your mood. And I'd become quite sedentary. I was working like for the Commonwealth Bank. So I was sitting down from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day. The furthest I would walk is like the lunchroom. So I was living a really unhealthy life. I was barely eating a fruit or vegetable. So I just started to change these slowly. And kind of back then I was... Um, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, I don't think, or maybe just Facebook, but there was YouTube. So I was crazy watching YouTube and I found a lot of, um, I guess it was just vegan vloggers back then. Um, And so I started on a more plant-based diet and within days, weeks, definitely within the first month, my whole life changed. So that's sort of the condensed version of how I got so interested in it. I just saw it affects my mood, my energy, my sleep, and then like my friendships, my work, um, and then, yeah. Yeah, wow. It's so powerful when we experience the benefits of all of these lifestyle practices firsthand, isn't it? It just shows the real power behind food and habits and how we can really turn our lives around with them. 
yeah, it was just little simple things that I just started doing every single day, like going to bed a little bit earlier. Actually, I think it was the opposite. I started getting up a little bit earlier. And then obviously those first few times you're exhausted, but then what it started to do, it makes you tired earlier. So then you get this much better sleep in your circadian rhythm. Like I remember learning that the hours of sleep before midnight count as double. And I just think it's so true. If you go to bed with the sun, those hours are so much more vital than if you get yeah six or eight hours sleep after midnight and you're sleeping and getting up at 10 a.m., which I probably was when I went back to uni. Yeah. But it was just like sleep is the number one most important thing for me. And then my, my health continued to progress from there. Yeah, incredible. And so when you were learning about all of this um, health knowledge and educating yourself and turning your life around, when did you start to think of the idea behind serotonin? Did that come later or was that sort of like planted in your mind early on? It was a little bit of a parallel in my life. So I'd always, yeah, since high school, wanted to open up my own sort of restaurant, cafe. I was super passionate about hospitality. Dad loves to sort of host dinner parties and like the house always looked nice. And every family dinner, we would have to light candles. And like, even if we were getting takeaway Chinese, we'd have to set the table, have the candles lit. So kind of entertaining and hospitality, I just loved doing and I was a massive foodie. And then, yeah, when I went plant-based, I discovered eating food high in tryptophan. So it was actually, my first concept was going to be a Japanese cafe. And that's why I've even still got Japanese booths at the shop. I've got these sort of sunken tatami seating in at Serotonin. It's so comfy. From my original concept there. Yeah, my brothers are builders and they made me put the footholds in there because they were like, you can't make people sit on the floor as I'm sitting on the floor <laughs> right here now. <laughs> I just love that Japanese style eating. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was going to be a Japanese cafe and I'd been working for years. I had this notebook where I sketched all my ideas. I was planning the menu. Um, I just loved sorry, I've skipped a few stories, but when we were in high school, we used to go to this Japanese restaurant and it was like super cheap, cheerful. And it was, there was no alcohol there. It was kind of in and out. It was really delicious food. And you always left really satiated. You never leave feeling heavy or sick, like after you've had fish and chips or pizza or something. So I loved that. And then brunching became a huge sort of culture thing in Melbourne. So we all were going out for brunch, but there was no, and I don't love breakfast food. So there was no Japanese breakfast. So that was my initial concept to bring a Japanese breakfast venue to Melbourne. And I worked on that for years. And then, yeah, that's when I went to the doctor. And then I discovered um, that you can eat foods high on what's called tryptophan, which is what converts to serotonin. Um, And that's what really helped stabilize my mood, focusing on eating more plants and So then it was actually a friend. I was still, even after I discovered this and was eating this way and it had changed my life, I was still working on this Japanese concept. And then my friend was like, why aren't you opening a serotonin cafe? Yes. (laughs) And then it all clicked. He needs to share this with people. He doesn't remember saying it to me, which is hilarious. So I owe him my whole business. Um, And then, yeah, my passion, everything just kind of aligned because I was getting to show people, you know, what I was doing in my kind of private time and how I was feeling. It's, you know, people's diets, is obviously very personal, but um, I was trying to share it with people. You never want to be that annoying, you know, vegan, but I was trying (laughs) to share to people how amazing I was feeling. And so being able to do it like this and people could just come past and experience and taste the food. And obviously we get great reviews online and everything like that. So now it just speaks for itself. Yeah, absolutely. And so what actually goes into that process of bringing a cafe to life? Well, so I'd had this book, um, 
And in the front, I was writing everything I loved. So a girlfriend and I, she's a journalist and I was studying photography as one of my electives. And this is back in like maybe 2011. Um, And I said, we should be food bloggers. And I was like, we should do it together. And this was hilarious because no one was doing it back then. Um, And we started going around to venues and I would take this book with me and we'd write in the front everything we loved, whether it was like the service or the drink or the plating or the chairs. And then in the back, we put everything we hated. Like, for example, not being greeted as soon as you walk in or (laughs) grumpy baristas all over Melbourne. (laughs) And then when I opened, I used this book and everything in the front that I loved, I put into my place serotonin and then everything I hated, I tried to really correct. So when you sit, um, if if you ever come in, we've been all the staff have sort of been trained like how to talk to you, how to run you through the menu. We don't like a lot of places that will sort of throw a menu at you and say, what coffee do you want? And I don't really drink coffee. So, you know, I want to know what else have you got? You know, what smoothies have you got? What teas have you got? So I developed a whole beautiful menu of caffeine free lattes off the back of that. Um, And then that was early sort of, yeah, even pre serotonin concept that sort of started. And then I went um, and sat down and I kind of did a costing. So like, what's it going to cost? And then I worked out what it would cost to do the branding, what it would cost to do the fit out, what it would cost to get, you know, an architect to help me do all of that. And it was very expensive. So <laughs> I, can imagine. Um, I actually went back to uni. So I was about 20 or 21 when I did that costing. Um, and I, in my head, I thought I was ready to open. I'd been saving for a long time. And then I realized, all right, I've got a bit of work to do. So I went back to university or I went to uni and I did a double degree in interior architecture and communication design. And so I was able to do the fit out myself. I was able to do the branding and it was at uni that I picked up a business subject as well. So in my final year, I swapped out one of my design subjects for a business subject. And I did a semester where we did a business plan and I had to ask the teacher like can you help me kind of write some copywriting on the bottom of this because this is a real business that I want to launch Um, (laughs) I had these amazing yeah classmates help me do this business plan we ended up getting I think like you know high distinctions and ducks of the subject because I was so passionate about what we were doing and I've looked back on it recently and so much that we put into that business plan was completely accurate and I was 100% guessing you know I was saying who's my customer going to be? You don't really know who will end up coming. You can target someone and someone else could come. And the exact sort of breakdown of who I thought my customers would be right down to only 5% being local tradies has pretty much been exactly right. And the location that I picked, um, I had so many different things that I wanted it. Obviously I wanted it across from a beautiful park. Um, I wanted parking out the front. I had all of these dreams and I, physically drove the streets of Melbourne I'd circled an area and I drove and drove and drove all these streets until I found the location I wanted and this was just conceptually as part of my uni project and (laughs) I found this old milk bar and I um, did the whole project on that milk bar and then six months after I finished uni a fully sign went up on the front of the milk bar and I drove past one day and it's in a back street I wasn't even sort of I never drive down that street usually and yeah the milk bar was fully so the the place that I even did the project on is the exact location that serotonin is in today. So that is phenomenal. That is great. <laughs> and no wonder you got HDs for that with all of that commitment and effort you went to. And it worked out like kind of um, double benefit too. You got that great uni score, but then you also started up your dream cafe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I kind of had a head start and I had the teacher was also a business owner himself. He ran his own business on the side. So 
it was a dream to be able to have someone in the industry. And that's from there, what I sort of learned, I went after that. And before I opened, I did a, another course. It was this business um, course up in Sydney and it was phenomenal. And it was the people that I met there, but also the content that they taught and the people that I met there are still five of my closest friends that I speak to every week. So it's just amazing. We've been on the exact same business journey. Um, one of them is a girl, Nova, who owns Warrior One in Melbourne. We met there oh, yeah. and she and I opened like, I think two or three weeks apart back in 2015. So we've been on the exact same business journey. Now we've been on the exact same COVID business journey. Yeah. (laughs) Like the most important thing as well. Like obviously you need all the information to get everything ready, but you also need, yeah, a team of people by your side, like people who have been there, done it, but also people who are going through it with you, who you can, you know, ask all of the random questions. So it's great to have like mentors who you can ask to go for a coffee, like once a a month, but then these people that you can call up every day to just pick their brain or debrief or download, I think was so important at that startup phase as well. Yeah, definitely. So important to have that support. That is such a cool story. And tell us a little bit more about the um, fit out that you did. So you obviously wanted to optimize that so that even the environment makes you feel happy walking in, which I can totally say it works. Yeah. yeah, What was a little bit of like the top things you did there to optimize it? Yeah, sure. Well, the, well, that was kind of the most frustrating thing for me about COVID, you know, they're saying you can still stay open and do takeaway, but that's just not what we do. You know, the, the outside of serotonin is actually this, um, Pearlized Porter's paint. It's this sparkly kind of black paint. And yes. that's to sort of represent the crazy dark outside world. And then when you enter in our front door, it's bright, it's white. I worked with a color psychologist. So all of the colors evoke emotions and even the sort of brush strokes we've used. And it's a pearlized paint inside as well, but it's a white, um, yeah, really pearl color. And all of that is calming and soothing on your nervous system. I've even designed in, there's a massive, um, like a Koya, I think it's called a Koya doormat. Um, Normally you'd have like a little, you know, one at your front door, but it's sort of three meters and then it stops. And that's actually an intentional design pause. So customers come in and there's nothing like physically stopping them. There's not a rope or a border or anything. Um, It's just a change in between the coin mat and then the concrete and people stop there. And then what that allows me to do as a business is greet you at the door. So a lot of cafes, this is what we wrote, you know, you walk in and no one serves you and you're like, oh, do we sit? And then you sit and then no one knows you've sat. And so then you're like, now we're getting bad service, but really (laughs) they don't know you. (laughs) So I designed that in so that the staff can yeah, grab you right at the front door and then they can take you to your seat and give you that beautiful experience from the start. things like that and then um we've obviously got swings that's what we've become very famous for I could never have imagined that they would be so popular and now I see them all over the world but I was just brainstorming obviously what what makes me happy what makes people happy and I was interviewing people and researching and you know childhood happiness kept coming up a lot like just child's play so I designed these beautiful swings and we're across from the park so you can sit on the swings and look out these big windows because nature obviously um is great for you and it boosts your serotonin levels too so I moved the front door three four meters maybe um that was a lesson that I learned that I I don't regret doing but it did take nine months to go through council so that was oh my gosh. a big lesson. I'd signed the lease. We were ready to go. And then I just had to hold tight for nearly a year. And wow. 
all I wanted to do was, yeah, I moved the front door from where it was on the old milk bar down so that I could put in these big, beautiful windows because the morning sunlight rises right along the park and it comes in through these front windows. So it's so nice sitting in there having a like a hot coffee or a tea in the morning and sitting in the winter morning sun. So that was something that I sort of envisioned and I brought it to life, but it did add on nine months to the project, which is, yeah, a big <laughs> cost and time frame that I wasn't ready for. But yeah. that allowed me to build the social media and build things like that and set up the menu. So um, we've also got, yeah, the Japanese tatami boots. So I really researched how different cultures eat because Melbourne is so multicultural. When I was doing my menu research, I was looking at who lives in Melbourne, you know, what we're known for. We've got, you know, like there's a beautiful Italian on Ligon Street and Victoria Street with the Vietnamese. So I was researching that and then that made me think about how different cultures eat. So we've got a big black um, Chinese round table in the middle room and then we've got the Japanese tatami booths and sort of the more Europeans and Italians feast. So we've got a big communal table out the back, all the beautiful um, windows with the sun and the swings. And then, of course, the dog-friendly courtyard. So I really designed every little inch. I Something else that was written in our book was that we hated when we went to places. You know, you're normally with a girlfriend catching up on goss or like having a business meeting. And a lot of cafes just have you like, you know, sheep <laughs> all in a line and we wanted it to be really sort of private. So there's lots of little nooks and corners and everyone's got their own space so they can have private conversations when they come in or sit and co-work with our free Wi-Fi. So I just really yeah. tried to come from the user experience. Yeah, incredible. No detail has gone unnoticed <laughs> or <laughs> like every little thing has been considered. I absolutely love that. So incredible. Yeah, there's a big tile wall. I I was about to open and the building's actually amazing. It's from 1889. It's um, got a heritage overlay on it. So there wasn't much I could do exteriorly, but this yeah. tile, uh, this brick wall was left and it's what the kitchen was in, but it was this bright red brick wall and everything else was white and calming. And I tried to sort of save it as like a, a note to the history there. But it just did not look great. So the, one of the last things I did was tile this massive wall. Um, and because the wall was so old, obviously it had moved and all the bricks. So we had to render and tile this wall. And it's got these um, white hexagon tiles, which I picked because they're actually the serotonin molecule has yeah. hexagons in it. And yeah, everything I did was so intentional. And then people kept saying, oh, look, it's like your logo. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. Everything, yeah, everything is intentional. <laughs> wow, that is so phenomenal. Yeah, it just shows how much like passion and love you have for this and how much has really gone into it. As you said, it's so intentional and it really carries on through everything you do as well. And people can feel that intention. And I think something really important for anyone who wants to start a business or see someone else with a successful business is that every successful business is 10 years in the making. You know, this yeah. one, I didn't just think I want a cafe and then just take over a thing. And yeah, it was years of research thinking about what my mission is, what my vision is, what my values are, what we want the business to achieve. And then that's what makes it successful. You have to have a why going into it. If your why is just to make money, you'll never make money. You know, even in the business course, they're like, how many customers are you going to have? How much money are you going to make? I'm like, I don't know. I just want to make people healthy and happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you've got that why, that's like why you will literally get up every single day. So that's the passion that kept me going. I think we're seven, we're going to be seven this April. So wow. Crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, so important. And I love that you mentioned as well, it does take time because we're kind of in one of those times where we want instant gratification. We think of something and we're like, oh, I want to do this now, not taking that time to put the intention and all of the thought into it. And when we actually lay that solid foundation, it's going to set us up for success as opposed to just rushing along, making the foundation really rocky and unstable, and then having to go back and trying to fill the holes that we didn't realize were there. Um, Yeah, taking that time and putting so much intention into something can really, really be beneficial, even if it does delay the gratification a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But you want to be doing it right. I I sort of look at that in two ways. One of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is Bethany Frankel. um, And she's a super successful entrepreneur in New York. And she interviews some of the wealthiest and most successful business people in the world. And they all go back to sort of where it started. And it all just started with hard work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, It doesn't just happen by accident. Um, yeah. Hard work and then failing fast. I actually, yeah, a few months before I opened, I went and listened to Lisa Messenger speak. And she was speaking about, hey, you just need to fail fast. So you just try something. If it doesn't work, get up, try it again. Yeah. Um, and that's what, yeah, you just you're a little bit on a hamster wheel for the start until you kind of find what it is that makes your business tick, but you've just got to try different things, not be afraid to fail. You know, the most successful people just failed more times. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So, so important. And how about your business? How has it evolved since you started it almost seven years ago now? Well, the, interestingly, I've got some staples on the menu. There's five dishes now that have been on the menu since day one. And I tried to take them off along the journey and I would get emails and DMs and like, can you put that back on please? So (laughs) the menu has had to evolve slowly. So we've got 10 dishes at all times on the menu. Five are the OGs. And then every season we update the other five with like beautiful seasonal produce. And then... Of course, I do these. Yeah, the whole business is called Serotonin Eatery, Exercise and Education. So the most important part for me was this education piece. You know, if people are coming and eating this food, they need to know why to turn it into a habit. So the staff are all taught um, what we call ink spots, I-N-K, and that stands for I never knew. So when you come in and you're chatting to them, you won't even know they're doing it, but they'll give you a few ink spots. For example, if you order our positive pancakes they'll say oh did you know that they're made with you know green banana flour which is the highest form of resistant starch in the world and then a customer will be like oh I didn't know that and then that's us giving you a little ink spot so education is sort of filtered through the eatery but then we also have um, the serotonin formula which is what I did back then when I was 2021 these are 12 things that I learned over five years working with a heap of specialists and these are things that I now do every single day so that's the kind of pillar for serotonin, they're things like raising your heart rate, so exercising, spending time outdoors, um, meditating and being mindful, connecting with others, obviously sleeping eight hours. Um, And then what we do with these 12 steps is run our education program. So that was something that I thought I'd be able to do from day one, but the cafe thankfully was such a success that it took me years to be able to get that part up and going. But now we run monthly um, dinners. So next door to Serotonin, we've got Utopia, which is our beautiful event space that you can hire. And on the first Thursday of every month, um, the next one is the 2nd of December, we do Serotonin education. So we do a beautiful degustation dinner with all of the food off our menu. And then we get three guest speakers and I sort of MC that night. So that's what it's evolved into. It's what I had hoped to from the start, but I don't think we started that for about two, three years in until I got everything in the eatery under control. (laughs) 
Yeah, amazing. And such a fun thing to do, a great way to bring the community together to learn, um, but also enjoy the amazing food. Oh, and connect people. We yeah. we used to have the event, I think, start at about 7.30 and go till 9.30, but people are so hyped, so wired, so excited after they weren't leaving until like midnight. So now we start at like 5.30. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> finish at 7 30 and people stay around talking until like 10 30 which like is amazing and especially after this lockdown time to be able to come in and obviously connect with humans again even my staff like I forgot how to talk to people yeah seriously <laughs> really learn our social skills <laughs> exactly so this is like so great people are so excited we were doing them via zoom but obviously not as exciting as in person so these events are beautiful and then we do um, lots of baby showers and product launches and gender reveals and all kind of stuff in there that's what I had always envisioned but it's finally come to fruition yeah so incredible and so you mentioned the lockdowns how did your business have to adapt um, to cater for that well back in March 2020 yeah like I said I just couldn't I just didn't want to give customers takeaway food for example we've got acai bowls and the pancakes come with our homemade ice cream on top so if you take that and take it home it just wasn't that experience that I wanted and from the moment you walk in you're greeted you're seated so I actually shut last year from March till November which was like devastating yeah it would have and been this year we oh, I think that was lockdown one and two and then lockdown <laughs> Three and four, we just remained open with the same menu. And then lockdown five and six, I finally was like, oh God, okay, we've got to kick into gear. And I we relaunched a whole takeaway menu. So that was exciting. I think it was, yeah, I guess none of us knew it was going to go for this long. But now, yeah. interestingly, what we created in that lockdown, customers have now said you can't take that off the menu. So now we've oh, wow. beautiful, like it's a plant-based smoked salmon bagel, um, yep. paper berries and homemade kind of cream cheese. It's so beautiful. So that was like a little takeaway option I just gave them. But now we sold out of it the last two weekends. So <laughs> I'm not a staple, so I'm worried about my menu. There might not be much room, wriggle room anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no more seasonal stuff, just the staples. <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's good. The customers know what they like. We've got the nutrition bomb, which is a like massive yeah. bowl of roast veggies and homemade hummus and nuts and seeds. And that was back at the start. I worked with Chinese doctors and naturopaths and dietitians, and we were really working. It's interesting, even when I opened back then, gluten-free wasn't even you know, as big as a, of a conversation as it is now in celiac disease and intolerances. So back then it was just about supporting people's hormones, about getting fruits and vegetables into people. And I don't push for anyone to be 100% plant-based, you know, but um, the statistics in Australia actually say that 94% um, of Australians don't even eat the minimum recommended amount of fruit and veg. So that's the five serves of veg and two fruit a day. So the 6%, which is probably the dietitians out there eating that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the rest of us aren't getting enough. So you can eat whatever else you want. But yeah, the point is when you come to serotonin, we can give you the beautiful nourishing fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. And I'm, yeah, doing burgers and pizzas and showing people that eating plant-based and eating healthy doesn't have to be boring at all. And it shows because we have yeah customers that obviously come every single day and then weekend warriors who come every weekend just eat the exact same thing. So yeah, lockdown was good because we could at least offer that to them still. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so good that there was success around the takeaway menu. And at least now you're back open and people can come and enjoy the full experience. Yeah, exactly. It makes me a lot happier for I'm on the door Saturday, Sunday and get to chat to everyone and see all my regulars and the takeaway window, you know, wasn't really what we want to do. We're still, we've always done Uber Eats. Um, We were actually one of the three first um, restaurants and cafes in Australia. They partnered with us back years ago to start that. So we've been with Uber forever. Um, And now we do Mr. Yum, which is amazing. It's been designed by a Melbourne girl and it's like the, it's sort of like Uber eats to your table. So you scan the QR code, which we're all very used to now. And then a whole menu pops up and it's got photos of all the food because we all used to look at the menu, look at Instagram, (laughs) try work what meal this is. (laughs) So now you scan it and then you can see the whole menu on there. All the drinks are photographed, all the desserts, all the meals, all the sides. And then, yeah, you can just add it to your cart. And then that's great. A lot of people obviously want to split the bill as well, but you can order from your own phone. So it's already split bill. Like, Lockdown has brought a lot of technology that, yeah, I never saw evolving in the hospitality space when I opened as well. Yeah, true. That makes sense. And it is really easy to use. Like when I've been and used it, um, I thought it was just such an efficient way to do it. And like, it's great that the staff still come over and chat to you um, and you haven't lost that personal element. You've got the perfect balance of both. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a really interesting demographic of people who love it and hate it. People, anyone sort of up to 35 is so happy to use it. They prefer it. And then the kind of my parents' generation don't want a bar of it. (laughs) They don't even look at their phone. And then people (laughs) over 70 are so happy to use it as well. That's been the most. The oldies and the grandparents are like, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They're getting on board. <laughs> They're getting on board. It's, it is really good. It, it is, yeah, obviously changing something and people were worried, you know, that it was going to lose staff, but really it takes away the most minuscule part. The staff still have to yeah. clear your table, set your table, bring your water, yeah. you know, bring you to your table, tell you how to use the app. So really it's just like yeah. a little, it saves you from lining up at the till. It sends a tax invoice straight to your phone, like it doesn't take away the personal part, but it, it brings in technology in a really good way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves like post-COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so speaking about all of your amazing recipes, where do you get the ideas and the inspiration behind those? You obviously have gone to a lot of effort, um, even consulting Chinese medicine practitioners and things yeah. like that. Um, is that always the case? Yeah, so obviously like the original ideas came from my environment, my lifestyle, my travel, what I was eating. And then um, I consulted, yeah, even Ayurvedic doctors. I love, I work with Chinese doctors myself and um, yeah, dietitians, naturopaths. I think I wish I had have known about it earlier. I probably didn't start seeing naturopaths until I was yeah post opening the business and needed some help with my burnout. So (laughs) I knew that earlier because I really struggled with skin and things like that in high school. And to be honest, when I was seeing these counselors, maybe seeing a naturopath could have helped um, back then as well, because now I can see how much food helps stabilize my mood. So learning what helped nourish me. And then I, yes, work with a, huge range of people and then we I chat to them about what is coming up in clinic for them um yeah like I was saying gluten-free was didn't even really exist in cafes and dining out um 
And then when we opened, staff kept running to me going, what's gluten-free on our menu? What's onion and garlic free? I'm like, what, what? So <laughs> now we have a, um, a whole FODMAP friendly menu, which um, I don't know, yeah, any other cafes that have that. But when wow. you're on that such sort of restrictive diet um, for that short amount of time, you want to, yeah, still be able to go out and enjoy meals with friends. So yeah. Um, like I love that the most common thing we hear like oh I can actually eat here (laughs) it's like the whole menu is plant-based and pretty much gluten-free but nothing screams gluten-free and I I actually don't use like the ethos of the menu is interesting it's all just sort of from my own head but um, I know we've like probably all been at restaurants and you have to like google what this ingredient is that's on the menu or like ask mum or um something you can't pronounce so I try to even if there are things you know that you might have to google or you can't pronounce I try to not put them written on the menu just to make like the user experience really nice yeah and then obviously yeah looking at what's going on in clinic things like um hormones liver support um immunity at the moment gut health these are all the things that are kind of woven into the back of all of our meals but then we just yeah, on the menu, I might just say, you know, smash jabo, but then it's got all these beautiful things hidden in there. Yeah, phenomenal. That is so cool. And yeah, so much um, attention to detail in each of those recipes, just like everything about your business. <laughs> yeah, we try and balance out, like, obviously in the diet culture, diet world, you normally get rid of one thing. So there was like the I quit sugar. There's um, a lot of vegans don't eat much fat. Um, there's like the low carb, high fat, low that high carb um, and then paleo and all these sort of things that have trended since I've been open. I've really tried to stand strong in that I'm not doing anything different. We're not following any trends ever. Like the most trendy sort of thing we have is probably SI, but you know, that's just a fruit. Um, yeah. So I've really tried to stand strong in that and just show people that what we're doing is just serving fruits and vegetables, complex fats, complex sugars, complex carbs, and like complete meals. Yes, I love that, that proper balance. Yeah, exactly. You can eat the food, you know, our nutrition bomb, which is the sort of big cooked salad bowl, is huge. And people sort of freak out when we put it in front of them, but that's an education point for us because we're like, you can eat all of this. You're not going to put on weight. You are going to be healthier. You're going to be happier. You're going to be satiated all day. You're not going to snack on crap. You're not going to have a, you know, crash at three o'clock. So that, yeah. yeah, there's so many little things built into our menu that people probably don't even know about. Yeah. Wow. It's so incredible hearing about all of this. And when it comes to your current roles and responsibilities in your business, mm-hmm. what does that look like? I can only imagine that you're balancing a lot of things um, but for anyone who is curious into the behind the scenes of running a healthy cafe. Can you shed some light for us? That's, I would actually love to film like a day in the life of what I actually do today. <laughs> people should (laughs) it's very in a even in like you know this high-tech world it's so interesting how people run businesses so I'm the marketing team um the hiring uh events like I do live talks that's something I'm really passionate about I go and talk at schools and businesses so that's what I'm doing behind the scenes to like of course as a side thing promote serotonin but what I'm passionate about is educating people on health and happiness and especially that age group of sort of 16 year olds where I just felt like there was it was so overwhelming and I had such bad mental health and there was nothing to help me and so much misinformation yeah Um, a lot of workshops that I run um yeah then I I do all the social media um the design (laughs) anything that you sort of see come out is very much from my brain and then I've 
obviously got an amazing team under me of my manager, my head chef, my head barista, my EA, and they all help me bring it all together. But yeah, there's different things that I'm doing every day. And obviously, you know, as we all know, the second you open your emails, your to-do list goes out the window and then you've got to deal with yeah. these things that come up through your email. And yeah, there's always, <laughs> I guess the main thing that I do is just work on all the different touch points that the customers see. So making sure that the menu looks perfect, making sure Mr. Yum, which is how you order online, looks perfect all of the posters, yeah, all of the social media, um, anything like that that is going to be a touch point sort of comes from my brain and my heart. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And what would be some of the skills you need to do all of those things? Like I obviously went and studied, yeah, interior architecture and the communication design so I could do all the computer stuff. But I actually think the biggest skill, I'm not sure if this is a skill, but you just need to have no fear and you mm. just need to take big risks like every day yeah I come up with crazy marketing ideas and sometimes I'll take a I call it a Richard Branson weekend and that's where I go offline for the weekend and I've just got a notepad and a pen and I'll go away somewhere and just sit with my thoughts and get creative about like what's our next topic's going to be what's our next menu going to be so being creative and taking big risks and having no fear about failing I love that. And I love the idea of the Richard Branson weekend. I think that's so cool to just get away from the technology, um, which can lead us down a trap of all sorts of distractions yeah. and just sit with your thoughts and allow that creativity to come through. That's really cool. Yeah. It's something yeah, that, that he does, I think every quarter or something like that. And if yeah. myself and a few of our friends do it and something I started to do in the lockdown was not turn my phone on until after lunch. Yeah, because you just, especially you know, kind of working from home. There's so many distractions already. So many, so yeah. Not turning your phone on and not seeing, yeah, Instagrams, emails, DMs, messages, phone calls, just that yeah. information. Like I like to use the morning. That's when my brain works the best. I've actually got ADHD, so I really need that slow morning energy to be able to concentrate. So not turning my phone on until after I've had lunch has helped me so much in the last six months as well. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. We're totally all going to be trying that me and the listeners. <laughs> I do agree. I'm very similar in the way that I won't switch. Um, I, I keep my phone on airplane mode overnight yep. and I won't put it back on until I've done my morning routine. Yes. Um, but it's definitely not lunchtime. So that is like next level impressive. <laughs> yeah. It went up and up. It was just my morning routine, but then yeah, I just felt myself getting dragged into it and it's just yeah. so nice just to not have that. Yeah. Yeah external world coming in and especially I guess during the crazy world we're living in right now just getting all that news and yeah I was just trying to get all my work done be creative and do everything I needed first and then deal with the outside world <laughs> yeah amazing and what would your advice be for other people if they are thinking about opening up a healthy cafe or going down that hospitality route as a nutritionist um lots of things I first I would say don't go into debt so yep. start and don't go in over your head, start small and just grow organically. Yeah. Um, I saved forever. The day I opened, I actually had $246 in my bank account and the staff wages are about 10 grand a week. So, wow. I mean, it was touch and go for a sec there, but not, yeah, taking out a massive loan to open something. I think when you've all getting um, someone to invest, I think when you've got your own money on the line, again, that's like a massive why for you. Yeah. Knowing your why because uh, that will continue to sort of get you out of bed and having that why be obviously personal to you, but resonate with whoever you think your customers are. So if you're not your customer, really yeah. research your customer and know your market. When I opened, 
I was my customer, so that was great, but I have sort of six different kind of customers that come in. So I all the time think about what they do, what are they reading, where are they going, what else are they eating. I interview them now because I've got them on obviously all my channels on Instagram and Facebook and my emails. So I'll email them out and ask them like, where else are you eating? What are you loving eating? What are you cooking at home? So you need to know every single thing about your customer. And then for your venture, I would have like a hundred points of difference. So we're on the bike path. We're next to the Yarra River, which means people can walk along the river and come up. We're next to the freeway exit. We've got a tram stop, train station. We've got the park across the road. We've got the dog friendly courtyard. So I, there's literally a hundred different points of difference that we wrote out. And I think that's yeah. so important too, because why, why is anyone going to travel for you? Why is anyone going to come to you over someone else? You've got to have such big points of difference that are actually relevant to your customers. I think I would start with those. And if you can find your why and then yeah, build in a difference, then you'll have a successful business. Yeah, that's amazing advice. And it is really interesting the way you say um, all those points of difference and the fact that your cafe isn't on like a main strip or something. So people are going to the effort of mm. coming there for you. Um, yeah, it's really phenomenal that you've been able to build up that community and get those people um into the cafe and especially from such an early stage I know like it took off quite well when you launched it um and you had quite a bit of success from the early days and it's phenomenal and I know why because I'm obviously I love it and I go there it's my favorite place to go but it's really cool that you have been able to kind of like magnetize that ideal client in and bring them away from the busy strips of shops and things um to your little sanctuary well that was a sort of blessing in disguise, like because that planning permit took nine, 10 months, yeah. I had that time to build my social media, connect with my audience. And back then, by the time we opened, um, I had 15,000 Instagram followers like the day we opened. So I had that. Yeah. And I'd also, after uni, when this wasn't for lease, I was meeting with agents and I was trying to find places. I was actually looking around Hawthorne. I was looking around Chapel Street in Melbourne and I couldn't even park to meet the real estate agents. And I was like, already pissed off and I was like all right this is not the experience I want I was like go back to those core points of difference I want like parking right at the front door the last trip I had before we opened was America and I went and checked out the amazing food scene over in LA and they have like valet parking and they have like lots like next door and I was like all right how can I bring this to Melbourne I can't buy a whole city block so we took over that corner shop that's why yeah across from this park and all the parking out the front was so important to me because they're the little things if you just want to pull up and get a smoothie you don't want to be driving around or paying five bucks an hour for parking just to get your five dollar drink you know yeah so true yeah it's incredible so much um, attention to detail um, and then alongside the cafe you've also got things like merch um, and we spoke a little bit about the events but has the addition of merch and like selling certain products in store been beneficial to the business model so we only sell yeah like our own merchandise so that's just a tiny thing it's not really it's yeah. nothing that sort of adds to the business um, and selling other people's products has been good and bad I'm very picky obviously I've probably learned about what I have in there so the brands that I have in there I fully believe in so there's not yep. many brands in there you know I really there's a lot of green green braining green washing you know so I know the owners of most of these brands that I have in there personally I know their production line and I know and I believe in their products and trust their products so 
yep. we've got a few things on the shelf in there, but also I'm very, yeah, sustainable and ethical. So we don't serve anything like I I used to have kombucha. When we opened, I never had kombucha. Um, yep. Sort of, even though it is glass, it's still that single use sort of bottle. So yeah. I'm really fussy with things like that. I try to really reduce, obviously reuse, recycle. So we don't sell many products, but our merchandise, like the beanies and the T-shirts, they sell out every time. So they're just, yeah. you know, VIP customers who love that kind of stuff and yeah. serotonin dilly uniform the customers can now buy. So they love that too. Yeah, represent. <laughs> serotonin dealers everywhere. I've been overseas before and seen someone in a serotonin top. So that's oh, wow. very happy. <laughs> that's so special. <laughs> that is really cool. And what about, what are your visions for the future now that you're back open and able to get back to business as usual to as much of a degree as possible? What's your vision for serotonin? So we, yeah, we've gone straight back into launching events. So every month we're going to continue to do our serotonin education and then yep. we'll put on a second dinner every month as well. So the next one we've got is Friendsmas, which oh, cool. is um, like the week before Christmas. And yeah. we've done it, I think the last two, three years. And we get like, we've been getting DMs saying, can you please launch the tickets already? We will set up our <laughs> friends Christmas catch up. So lots of little things like that. We'll use the utopia space next door to serotonin and to run a lot of our own events um, and we do we like hook up with a lot of um, different speakers so yeah next month we've got Nicole who's a Chinese doctor who spoke before and again I get emails saying can she come back and talk so these people that I meet along my journey who are just amazing and so full of knowledge and would never be given the space you know they're all working in clinic but they're never given the space or the audience to share so that's a sort of 60 70 80 person event that we'll do and we'll do those twice a month now. So that's the massive goal for next year to keep doing these in-person events, connecting everyone and educating. Yeah, amazing. And that's more important than ever, as we were saying about like um, coming back out and getting more social again. Community is obviously so important for our health and happiness. Yes. So I love that that's a big focus. So important. And that was community is yeah one of the brand pillars of serotonin. It's, yeah. it's meant to be a space where you can come, relax, like feel like you're at home. There's design elements that I put in there that you would never normally put in a hospitality venue. You would only sort of do them in your house. But my thoughts behind that was that when you come in, it's just like you're in my living room and I'm just entertaining you as a friend. So coming yeah. in and yeah, we really encourage co-working and, you know, we've got free Wi-Fi for you to use. And there's a lot of places. Yeah. Like we're closed Monday, Tuesdays. And when I want to go sit and work at a cafe, I feel so bad, but we really encourage that. And I built the space for that. There's heaps of communal tables. There's heaps of one person tables so you can come and eat. And then with the great little QR code ordering, you just can sit and order whatever you want to your table, whenever you need sit and work in peace. Yeah. So good. And what would you say you do attribute your success to? Obviously a lot of hard work and a lot of like intention behind everything. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I guess it's just the hard work and taking risks. This was a huge jump. I'd actually never worked a day in hospitality before I opened. Wow. <laughs> so even the first day I had one of my good friends, Tom, helping me. And I'd actually spent months hiring and we'd hired all these um, sort of student nutritionists and naturopaths. And I thought this is going to be amazing. We're going to be able to talk to the customers at the tables about the food. And then day one opened, we opened the door, the barista made the coffee and then the bell dinged and we all just looked at each other. 
And I was like, what the hell's that ding? And Tom's like, run the coffee, guys. <laughs> I knew what it was. <laughs> so we actually had to fire nearly all the staff day one and I had to call in hospitality friends to come. <laughs> so that was a very good lesson. But I think, yeah, I think just, yeah, I'm not afraid to try anything and I'm not afraid to taste those risks. You know, we've all survived 100% of our bad days so far. So we get, yeah. you know, I think anxiety is such a big thing and it's just really worrying about something that hasn't yet happened so yeah just jump and have no fear yeah I love that so so important um and do you think that that's what you would attribute the success of serotonin to what it is today or is that more around the community element that you've been able to build um I think that's yeah that's what the success is around just taking risks, being a rule breaker. Now people, yeah, in the industries and all over the world, like I, I'll put something on my menu and then like two weeks later, I see a pop-up on a menu in Bali. Wow. <laughs> all right, people are really watching us. Yeah. It's amazing. They say it's the form of flattery, exactly. right? <laughs> it's form of flattery. So that's it. I have to keep being super creative, super innovative. And I'm there's not many venues that I'm looking at I get my inspiration from very weird things I'll like be literally out in the bush walking and I'll see a tree and that'll trigger a thought about something else so you know I think I'm a creative entrepreneur at heart so that's what the success is the hard work doing something that I'm very passionate about and that I always wanted to do not just I didn't go into it just to make money. You know, I didn't think I'd actually make any money, you know, in the business course, they said, how many people are going to come a week? I was like, um, a hundred, 200, I don't know. And then, yeah, on that first weekend, we had a thousand people come on the first weekend. And I was like, oh, wow, we're in for a treat. So yeah. <laughs> you had to learn very quickly. So I think it's, I think I had a great time in the market. Um, like there weren't any really other plant-based venues like mine in Melbourne that was sort of high-end. Everything that was plant-based was sort of that more hippie. And I kept getting my um, very Melbourne dad to come in while we were building. And I was like, do you feel comfortable in here? Do you still feel comfortable in here? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I never wanted it to be like the mishmash of chairs, which I love going to those venues too. But the location that I am right in Richmond, right at the bottom, bottom of Turak, right in the center of Melbourne, I wanted it to, you know, we don't use the V words anywhere. I say they're like swear words. So vegan and vegetarian um, <laughs> and never in our branding because they scare people. Whereas yeah. really we all eat plant-based meals all the time. We just don't know we're doing it. You know, most people have a vegan breakfast if they're having oats with, you know, whatever. So yeah, so true. That's part of the branding. And I think that's made it successful as well. We kind of tricked people, you know, it's just a healthy cafe. It's the happy cafe. And then I, yeah trick them into eating <laughs> this nutritious so not ostracizing anyone and not like pigeonholing us too much keeping it like a really broad audience still yeah it's helped as well yeah incredible is there a lesson you wish you learned sooner wear good shoes would be oh uh, yeah <laughs> I learned sooner um, I've never worked hospitality I'd never sort of been on my feet that much and I ended up getting plantar fasciitis and oh, wow. like a marathon runner's injury so yeah. I was wearing these crappy flat vans or whatever they were I love them because they were yellow I thought they were serotonin-esque and oh, um yeah I ended up one day I just couldn't stand up out of bed and I'd oh. been everything until that point I was running everything I was opening closing I was the manager I was on the door all weekends I'd been doing that for like a year and a half and then I stood up out of bed one day and literally just fell over in my bedroom oh and my I gosh. had this like knife pain in both my feet so it took a few weeks to work out what it was and then it took 18 months to heal so 
Wow. Again, I can see the blessing and the lesson in that because it, I had to release, you know, a bit and let other people take over roles and I had to step up and be the business owner rather than just working in it. I could work on it more and that's now what I do and it's why it's so successful. So yeah. that is a lesson I wish I learned sooner. We're good runners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A very important lesson. Yeah, now I think back, I remember my chiros, my physios used to always wear like their suits and runners and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And now I see, I make it, it's actually compulsory uniform now that you have to have like good runners. Yeah, I love that. Looking out for your staff. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And now I have a quick book question for you because I'm a bookworm. So I ask every guest um, what book they would recommend for the listeners to read. Um, What would it be and why? The book that sort of, changed my life is called the art of happiness and it's with the dalai lama yeah you've read that it's yeah um, i have that yeah it's a really good book it's really good i've literally right next to me still and i read that probably 10 years ago and it's got notes i can never hand on books because i write notes in pen all throughout the books while i'm right reading them so that one was sort of yeah around when i was 2021 and it just so many things clicked for me i think it's with a psychologist or psychiatrist and he's sort of interviewing him and yeah, that one, I couldn't put it down. I read it in three days and I'm dyslexic. So that was like, it was one of the first books I ever read and it was just absolute game changer for me. And I just soaked it all in. So I recommend that one to everyone. Yeah. Amazing. And I will second that it is a very, very good book. So everyone, fellow bookworms head out and grab that one. (laughs) Yeah. Something as well. We're going to do a book club in serotonin I just oh amazing yeah, that's something people have been asking since the just before the lockdown so we've been working on that for about two years now so we're going to do yeah. a great little book club in there oh that'll be so cool we'll all be keeping an eye out for that one <laughs> awesome well this has been such an insightful chat and I've learned so much about all of the things that have gone into creating the incredible business that is serotonin and everything you're doing um, but do you have any parting words or ad- advice for the listeners just to sit with yourself a lot and learn what makes you happy, what makes you smile, what makes you tick. I spend a lot of solo time and I think a lot of my happiness comes from that because no matter what is going on in my life, I'm happy just with myself. So, yeah, spend a lot of time with yourself. Yeah, amazing. And where can the listeners find you and follow your incredible journey? Yeah, so you can follow Serotonin on Instagram. It's Serotonin dealer <laughs> then um my personal one is emily hazelnut hazelnut with two l's amazing and i'll link to those in the show notes and everything we share so people can find you nice and easily oh, thank you thank you You're welcome thank you so much emily this has been an absolute pleasure and i don't know about everyone else listening but i'm sure um everyone in melbourne is going to be heading to serotonin <laughs> to get their happiness fixed now i hope so <laughs> it's definitely worth it Um, But yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for all that you do for the community here in Melbourne. And it's just been such a pleasure having you on today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it. And I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.